So I've got to apologize here. If you're watching us online uh, this morning, you are not so much uh, loving our technology. We're not sure what's going on. We're, we got folks working like crazy trying to make everything work, but apparently there have been some glitches on uh, YouTube and through the restream. And so stick with us. I think we got it figured out. Those of us who are here, we got no idea that's going on. So aren't you glad you showed up here this morning? We're going to talk uh, the third week of our our seven weeks of the commands of Jesus, and and this week we're going to talk about love, not that kind of love. Talk about the love of Jesus. We got seven seven of these commands that we're going to go through, and and this being the third week, by now hopefully you've kind of gotten the idea that they're not really commands. They're not they're not must do commands. They're not have to commands. They're they're really uh, they're more invitations. They're more we get to do these things. They're more Jesus is inviting us into a, a different way of, of living. It isn't a mandate the way we've been mandated to close restaurants and mandated to close gyms and mandated to wear masks. Those are have-to-dos. You don't get to decide about those. These aren't mandates. These are invitations that Jesus has. And his invitation today comes from John 13, starting in verse 34. Here's what it says. Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new command, and he's just talked about referring to all the adults around as children, as little children, actually, more on little children later. He says, now I'm giving you a new command, love each other, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Different translations have different words. The one I chose to use there uses the word prove, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. In other words, if we were to write a kid's song, we would say they are no, we are Christians by our... Love. That's what Jesus is saying. That your love for the people around you will prove not how great you are, but that you're my disciples. So the first thing we need to understand is the kind of love Jesus is talking about uh, is not romantic love. It, it, it isn't romantic love at all. If, if you have done uh, any time around a church, you've heard anybody talk about the Greek language, there's, there's really three different words that they have for love, and this is not the romantic love that Jesus is talking about. When he says love one another, it's, it's, uh, it's more of the love that he has for us, which is why he sets himself up as the example. And really what it is, Jesus is giving us an invitation, and that's the way we need to hear it. Not as a mandate, but as an invitation to experience Jesus' love in our own lives in a new way, and then to be able to go out and to live with that kind of love for the world to see. It's an invitation. It's not a have to. It's a get to. It's an invitation to be transformed as the new creation the Bible says that we are when we give our lives to Jesus and we become a follower of his. It's not a have to statement. It's an invitation, a get-to statement. And all of these commands of his really open up a door of opportunity for us to know him better. And when he says love one another, that's exactly what he's talking about. He's inviting us into an understanding, his understanding of what love really is. In our world, we make it such a mess. We confuse it with all kinds of stuff. This is not romantic, hearts of flutter, make movies about it kind of love. That's not what Jesus is talking about. This is the kind of love that doesn't count the cost. This is the kind of love that's self-sacrificing. This is the kind of love that doesn't judge and asks for nothing in return. It's that kind of love. A little little while on, we're going to sing a song, and, and it's kind of gotten some noise in the world because it talks about God having a reckless love for us. And it isn't reckless as in careless. It's reckless as in not counting the cost to himself 
because of how much he loves us. It's like, it's like if a child was in the road and you saw a truck running, you would run out and you'd scoop that kid up no matter what it meant to you. That would be a reckless love because you cared so much about that little one. That's the kind of love that Jesus is talking about, the kind of love that doesn't cost the count, for, count the cost for ourselves. And, and so it's amazing in the statement of Jesus. It's amazing what he says and how much he packs into these few words. First of all, he assumes that he knows, assumes that we know how much he loves us. He doesn't explain it here. He just assumes that we understand. Just as I have loved you, expecting that we know what he means. So let's stop there for a moment, and let me ask you this very, very serious question. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Not as an abstract idea that somebody told you you were a kid and you sang a song about, Jesus loves me, this I know. That's a great starting point, but do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know in the, in the deepest part of your being, when, when the world might be crazy and the news is saying all kinds of stuff you can't figure out, that's more for another day. Do you know in the middle of all that, that it really doesn't matter because Jesus loves you? That's where this statement starts for him, is the understanding that we know how much he loves us. So do you know that Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for your sins? Do you know that he did that for you long before you ever had a thought of believing in him and returning that love back to him? Do you know that he did that for you before you ever considered how you thought about him? See, that is the heart of the Jesus kind of love. The kind of love that focuses on what he did for us, not what he asks of us. So many people say, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to have to follow Jesus. I've got to give up all the good stuff. I've got to change my life. I've got to, and it's all about what we don't get. But really what Jesus is talking about is, it's about what I did for you, not what he asks of us. Do you know that kind of love? It makes the whole, in all honesty, it makes the whole mask thing kind of silly. That's what our world is all a flutter about right now, right? We're all just going, going crazy about how we feel about those things. And if you think about how much Jesus loves us and what he did, man, we're talking about the wrong thing. Let, let me ask you an honest question. Have you had a conversation in the last week that wasn't about COVID? <laughs> you all smiled going, nope, not one. I got balled out by my office, uh, my boss at work, and it was all about COVID. Right? And, and when we talk about COVID, what's the next thing we talk about? Masks. What if, what if as Christians, that wasn't the focus? And what if Jesus and his love for us became the focus? Because what he does is, in this, in this statement of his, he doesn't just say, know how much I love you. He goes on, and, and he doesn't say, just sit back and accept and enjoy it. But he says, love other people the same way. Go out into the world and love others as I have loved you. And then... You know, in, in this raising the stakes and, and, and saying there's even more to it than that, the outward sign, the show and the truth of the love that we have, that we've experienced for Jesus, that we share with others, will prove to the world that we're his disciples. You want to let the world know what you believe in and what's important to you? Go love the world. It'll prove to the world that we're disciples of Jesus who love him. What that means is, the way that we love the people around us, think about this as invitation now. The way that we love the people in the world around us, all of the people, is proof 
of our love for Jesus and our decision to live our lives as disciples of his. We all agree that we, we should talk about Jesus. We should let people know why we believe. And, but that's hard to do. If I asked for volunteers, how many of you are willing to go out and tell someone about Jesus this week? I would have that many hands raised, I bet. None. That's scary. And yet Jesus is saying it's so much more simple than that. Just go love people. That'll be proof enough. Just go love them. The way that we love the people around us, all the people, is the proof of our faith in him and our decision to live as disciples of his. The way that we love is a, a reflection of our commitment to Jesus. It's, it's a reflection to others of the Jesus that we know that goes without words. It just goes in actions and how we do and how we treat them. That, that shouldn't be a burden. That should be awesome. To, to know and to understand how much he loves us. And then to say, all I have to do is go out and show that to other people. So just imagine for a moment, just just for a moment, imagine if every man and woman and child who called themselves a believer in the United States of America right now, if every one of us who called ourselves a believer in Jesus lived out loud the love of Jesus by loving others the way that he loved us, imagine the proof to who he is that would be out there. Imagine how that would change the world. If we just simply loved people the way that he loves us as he asks us to do, without doing anything else, every single one of us would prove that we're Jesus' disciples. And you know what would happen? There would be a change in the Christian church in America. It would be the most contagious place in the whole wide world. And everybody would start just showing up at churches all over the place and wanting to be around Christians because they wanted some of that good old-fashioned Jesus love. What would happen, imagine, if we, as the open-door Christian church, said, okay, we'll take on the challenge, Jesus. We'll live that way. We're going to listen to the crazy bald man tell us how much you love us, and then we're going to go out there and we're going to do it. People would flock to this place. We don't have enough land to hold them. Not because of you and I, but because of Jesus. We would finally prove to the world that he's real. People would flock because of the Jesus that they see in you. That's what he's talking about. Yeah, but alas, Christian churches are struggling. People are staying home or not coming at all. They're questioning, they're doubting, they're wondering. Because there's so many people who say that they love Jesus, but we show the world that we don't love them. And Jesus says, you can't do that. If you love me, then love them. That will show them that you're a disciple of mine. Don't tell them that you are. Show them that you are. Our actions tell the world that we, we love ourselves in this precious illusion of freedom more than we love Jesus. And yet as believers, we've got the opportunity without saying a word to change the world by how much we love people. Fact is, uh, we, we don't always show people the love of Jesus the way that we probably should. And I realize that you can put me at the top of this list. When, when you think about the people around us that we've got an opportunity, if Jesus is giving us an invitation, who do we have an invitation to love? How about your kids? You love them completely all the time, right? Parents, spouses, friends, people you work with, folks you go to school with, people you don't know. How about people who are not Christians? How about people who have done bad things and said mean things to hurt you? How about ex-spouses or folks that would say that they're our enemies? See, we, we come at it and we say, well, I don't show them the love of Jesus because I've got these reasons. 
But Jesus didn't actually say that. All the reasons that we would have not to share the love of Jesus are are really just selfish. Uh, Reasons for not loving are selfish, and they're they're just to self-protect. And yet our witness to the world around us should be in the way that we love people. Don't just tell people we love them. Show them. Be that love. We are to live to, to show people how much Jesus loves us. Because when we show them how we love them, it is really because we understand that Jesus loves us. About 2,000 years ago, God did something absolutely radical, completely crazy. We're about to celebrate it around here. It's called Christmas time. And the word that we use is God became incarnate, which is just a fancy word to say God became a person. God became a human being and came to earth and lived as one of us. And, and I still can't wrap my head around why God would do that. And I realize the answer is rooted in God's love for us. God became incarnate in the person of Jesus. And from the very moment of his birth, when you read the Bible, when you read what happens in the world surrounding his birth, from, from the, before he even spoke, before he took his first step, he took people that thought they understood everything, thought they knew everything, thought they had it all figured out. They knew love and, and they knew power and they knew authority. And Jesus took it all and he turned it upside down. And he did that in the name of love. And what you hear me say around here a lot, and I hope that we live this out, and I hope we live it out in a real way, is we say that Jesus loves you just the way you are, just as who you are. But he loves you so much he doesn't want you to stay there. And so he gives us invitations to grow in our love, not on our own, but as a response to his love for us. He gives us invitations to do what might not be completely comfortable, to go out and to love people more than maybe we even like them. See, see, Jesus doesn't let us stay the way we are because Jesus didn't come for us to have a better life. Jesus came that our life might be transformed, not by us making different decisions, but by us recognizing how much he loves us. That's salvation. To be saved is to know that God did for us what we cannot do for ourselves and to recognize and to receive that gift. And so my question is, are you living a transformed life? Are you living as somebody who knows the love of Jesus and then lives it out with the people around you every day as proof of your faith in him? A number of years ago, there was a book that came out. You probably read it, or your spouse probably asked you to read it, and you didn't. The book was called The Five Love Languages. Fellas, can I get a... The Five Love Languages, woo! Let me tell you what, it's a good book. Because really what it did is says there's five basic ways that people express love and receive love. There's five basic ways that we show people that we love them or that we recognize that we're loved. And the five basic ways are this. Acts of service, words of affirmation, receiving or giving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And, and the idea is that when we know someone's love language or when someone knows our love language, it allows us to communicate in ways and words that they really hear their own way. The five love languages are all about communicating love without just saying the words. God has a love language too. Did you know that? There's a book that he saw fit to have written. It was called the Bible. It's even better than the five love languages. God's love language came to us in Jesus. In a living, breathing, real life human being, God comes to earth and brings his love language with us. And so, do you hear him? Do you understand what God is trying to say when we talk about Jesus? That he was for 
you? That he loves you? So God, God included some of these five love languages in the Bible, too. Thought about it this week, and you know, God's pretty clear. How about words of affirmation? They're throughout the Bible. God, God is constantly telling us how he sees us and who we are to him. And, and in these days, that man, the media wants us to fear everything. And so there's uncertainty, there's fear, there's, there's for some people terror, there are all kinds of stuff. How about this from God? Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6, it's in the Old Testament, first part of it. Write that one down. When you get scared because the world is terrifying you, go back to that verse. God's words of affirmation to you. How about the idea of gifts? Everybody loves gifts, right? God understands that. How about the free gift of salvation that we have in Jesus? God understood giving a gifts. That's God's gift to all of us. How about the idea of quality time? It seems like, well, why would God mess with quality time, right? Oh, no, 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 he did. God really understands quality time. How, how about when Jesus did what was unthinkable in his day? He went out of his way. He went through the country called Samaria where Jewish people just flat out didn't go. And he put himself outside of a village and he, he put himself at a well and there was a Samaritan woman who hadn't lived the best of lives. And he didn't criticize or condemn her. He just talked to her about who she really was. And he showed love. And you know what she did? She went back to town and she said, you all have to come out and meet this guy. She went, and, she went and got everybody that she could. She said, you've got to come out and meet this guy. You need to hear. He knows everything I ever did. And the thing that it doesn't say that it was her implication was, and he still loves me. What about the time that he, he did what he got so criticized for? He had dinner with tax collectors and sinners. And I think if Jesus came back today, you know what? We'd be in pretty good company because I don't know if you're a tax collector, but we're all sinners. Jesus would take time to sit down and spend with us, not because of how good we are, but because of how good he is. Jesus understood quality time. How about gifts of service? He healed people. If you talk to Lazarus, he would say, yeah, Jesus understands that because you know what? I was dead. Now I'm alive. Jesus healed Lazarus, brought him back from the grave. How about the time that he had the morning after he had uh, been risen and the fishermen were out fishing because they'd gone back to what they knew, just thought they'd go back to their own jobs, didn't know what else to do. And Jesus sat on the shore and he cooked them breakfast and he, he had them uh, come in and eat with him. His act of service was actually to cook a meal for those disciples that were out fishing. How about the time that, how about the time that he uh, showed physical touch? How about when he washed his disciples' feet? Jesus understood physical touch and how important that was. How about when he made the mud with his hands and he put them on the blind man's eyes and healed the blind man? He touched them. God's love languages are throughout the Bible. It's all part of God's love language to us. And, and, and what Jesus is saying is now it's your opportunity. Not must have, must do, but get to to show people how much I love you. And those people, they're desperate for hope. They're desperate to believe that Jesus is real. They're desperate to believe that they're better than what the world tells them they are. Around our house, one of the ways that Daedri shows the love of Jesus is she likes to sponsor children through compassion and world vision. It's a simple thing to do and to, to be able to be a part of, of these young people's lives. She feels like, you know, I can make a difference in some small way. And, and so at this point, um, it's kind of cool because our young people are raising money to sponsor compassion children. That's what the Plinko board is in the back because they want to make a, a small difference in someone's life. And so Deidre sponsors five children. 
which is enough for us now. She was sitting at the table with our granddaughter Willow a couple of weeks ago, and a couple of letters were there because you get to write letters back and forth, and you get letters from the kids. And Willow goes, what's this? And seven-year-old Willow is asking all these questions. And so Deidre is explaining that I sponsor these kids, and it's really cool because they write me letters about their life, and I get to write and tell them, and so they've heard all about you. And Willow is just fascinated that you could do this and have this impact on someone somewhere else. And so she said, hey, could I, could I sometimes send something along with a letter? They, they happen to be talking about a young man named Rashawn. And she said, could I send you something to go in a letter when you send it to him? He goes, yeah, absolutely, you can do that, Willow. Well, one of the adults in the room did what adults do and said, do you really think it makes a difference? I mean, seriously, do you really think it makes a difference? And so Deidre answered the question back to Willow because Willow was the one who was listening so carefully. And she told that story about the father and the son that are walking along the beach and there's all the starfish that had walked up, right? Remember that? Sand dollars, maybe you heard it as. They're walking and there's all these starfish on the beach and dad is reaching down and tossing these starfish back into the water and the kid goes, dad, why do you do that? There's thousands of them. You're not possibly making a difference. And dad picks up another one and throws it back into the water and he says, I did for that one. And she says to Willow, can't save the world, can't fix them all, but I can make a difference for Rashawn. And so Willow, in her wonderful seven-year-old mind, says, you know what, I want, something, I want you to send something with to Rashawn next time. She drew this picture. A starfish. Rashawn has no idea what those are. But Willow does. Do you know how easy it is to show the love of Jesus? When you know it, you can't be something that you don't have. You, you, you can't give something you don't have. You can't be something you don't believe. Willow can do that and and realize she's not going to make a huge difference, but she can make a little difference. That's as simple as what it means to show the love of Jesus. And and, and so I wonder if if Willow can do that for a, a kid on the other side of the world that she'll never meet. I bring it to our world today, and let's talk about the most controversial thing that we can talk about, shall we? Would you wear a mask if it meant that you could prevent someone from getting sick or dying even if you didn't know him? Would you love him that much? Or does that mask mean something completely different? Maybe that mask means it totally impinges on your rights and your freedoms. Would you wear a mask for someone out of your love for Jesus if you knew that it might save their life? See, love, like Jesus is talking about, is really that simple and uncomplicated. It isn't difficult. Love comes from a heart that knows it's loved and wants to show love in return. And 1 Corinthians 13 talks about that kind of love. It perfectly demonstrates the kind of love that Jesus has for us that we get to be for each other. 1 Corinthians 13:4. love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it doesn't boast, it isn't proud, does not dishonor others, it isn't self-seeking, it isn't easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That gets read at weddings all the time. And, and I love it when people choose that passage, because that's the way we want to be loved, isn't it? We want people to love us with that kind of understanding, that kind of patience, that kind of kindness. And Jesus says, I do. I love you that way. Now, go love the world that way. So, so what if we, we just bring this right to where we're living because we can't avoid it? America is literally being divided over five-inch pieces of cloth. 
We really are. We're literally being divided over masks. Minnesota is being divided over masks. Churches are being divided over masks. Congregations and pastors are being divided over masks. And I have to believe that the enemy of God is having one of the richest heydays he's had in a very long time because he doesn't have to do anything other than to convince us that that our opinion and and our take on the matter is the right one. Five-inch pieces of cloth. But what if one of the ways that you could show the love of Jesus to someone, even if it's someone that you don't know, maybe it's someone you'll never meet, maybe it's someone you just simply pass by. Maybe if the way that you show the love of Jesus is to set aside whatever political or constitutional or personal rights you feel are being violated and you simply wore a mask. And then when your friends who are vehement about not wearing masks say, why in the world would you do that? Why would you give in to the tyranny? Why in the world would you give in and be a part of that? Why would you do it? What if your answer was not to have to explain yourself any more than to say, because I love Jesus? In a statement as simple as that, you're proving to the world that Jesus loves you and that you love the world. Not because of you, who you are, but because of who he is. What if we hear the word command and we say, well, I don't want to have to do what someone tells us, but we realize Jesus is really giving us an invitation. What if we as the Christian church took a look at masks and rather than letting them divide us, we considered them an opportunity? What if they were an opportunity to show the love of Jesus? Yep, personal comfort has to be set aside. Maybe what we really want is set aside. And I don't want to make any political statement, and so please keep your emails that I am. I'm not. What I'm saying is, What if we used masks and took away the power that the devil has right now and we reclaim them for Jesus and say, you know what, it's just a way that we're showing love to people. What if we were to do that? What if like the starfish, you wearing a mask could save just one life? Would you wear one then? Would you wear it if you knew that by your wearing a mask would save one person? Personally, you want my personal opinion on the matter? The science does not back up the mandate to wear masks. It doesn't. I've read it. I've read everything I can get on it. Does it help? Maybe a little bit. Maybe to keep you from spitting your Cheerios out at somebody. But that's about it. But what if there's something more at stake, and that's our love for people? See, my love for people, my love for my family, my children, my parents, I love, my love for this church family, especially older folks in the world around me, is more than enough for me to set aside my comfort and my rights and wear the stupid mask. Because maybe that's a way that I can show the love of Jesus. See, love language isn't necessarily about what I know and what I feel in speaking that love language. It's all about what the person who receives it understands it to be. And maybe the stronger statement is in what we do, not how we feel about it. Jesus told us to have faith like little children, and, and, and we encourage kids to do what's right. Even, even when they don't understand it or agree, we say, you just got to do it, right? It's the right thing, so just do it. That doesn't mean that our faith is to be shallow or naive or uninformed. It, it means that we're supposed to have faith that's simple, that's uncomplicated, that isn't bound up in the confusion and the selfishness of adulthood. Children love. They don't hate. It's grown-ups who teach children to hate. And that's because we don't understand love. And the reason is we treat love as an exchange or a transaction. 
something given in exchange for something received. We, we make it more complicated than Jesus ever intended it to be. When we make an exchange and we include love, what we're really doing is trying to protect ourselves. We want to make sure that we receive the same kind of love that we're giving out in the same measure. I don't want to extend myself in any degree greater than what I get back. And the idea of loving without receiving something in return is a pretty foreign concept to us, but not Jesus. Just think about it. He died for us while we were still sinners. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God gave us his love in the person of his only son, Jesus, who died for our sins while we were still sinning. There was no transaction or exchange. It was a gift completely free before we ever thought of loving him in return. That's the kind of love that we're called to share with others. Because that love is all about others. See, Jesus didn't count the cost to himself. He knew that loving us was going to cost him his life. Selfless. Selfless love. The unconditional love that God has for us is the, is the love that he invites us to share with other people. That's what this command is all about. When we do, the Bible says that it's proof of our love for Jesus, but it's also a witness to God's unconditional love for us and for the people around us. And so you want to know, you want people to know Jesus for themselves, then love them the way that Jesus loves you. You don't even have to bring up the subject. They'll ask, what's different about you? What changed? Something about you isn't like what it used to be. Love them like Jesus does. Our love for Jesus grows out of the gratitude that we have for our salvation in Jesus. Jesus doesn't love us just so that we've got an example. His love is the foundation for our salvation. It's the heart of our transformation. A.W. Tozer said, Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he's the one that loves you the most. Jesus knows every one of your deep, dark secrets that you try to keep from everybody else, and yet he loves you more than anyone else does. I fail to comprehend how much Jesus loves me. I try. I cannot comprehend it. And because of that, my love for people falls short. And I get selfish. And I worry about me. I can't comprehend the love that Jesus has. There's nothing in our experience of human love that can begin to hold a candle to the kind of love that innocently and without complaint or defense or fight Walks to your own execution knowing that you're being killed for something you've never, ever done. In fact, you're going to your own execution dying for people who never even professed to like you, much less love you. See, but that's what Jesus did for you. And that's the foundation of the salvation that he offers, your salvation. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is beyond my comprehension. I say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. But you know, the fact of the matter is, I don't even entirely understand what, I'm, what that means. So how about in the midst of the craziness that we're living in and, and, and the fear and the, the constant onslaught from the media? How about we go back to the Bible and we look at Ephesians 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love 
may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. See, it's okay that I don't understand because the Bible says I'm not going to. That love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know what my prayer is? has been for ten years. My prayer here is simply that you fully comprehend the vast breadth and length and height and depth of God's love for you. That you accept the gift that he offers in Jesus and you make it your life's mission to share that love with others. Even if it means getting out of your comfort zone and doing what you'd rather not. I can't imagine walking to the cross was particularly comfortable for Jesus. I'm certain dying wasn't. And all he asks us to do is to love one another the way that he has loved us. And if you don't know it, please believe me when I say to you, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that through Jesus you did what we cannot do for ourselves. And God, that is something we will never fully comprehend. But you know what? We can take his simple words to love one another the way that he loves us. And, and we can put that in very simple, practical ways. We can help someone who needs it. We can, we can reach out when we'd rather keep our, our life comfortably to ourselves. We, we can do so many things. We can send a note of encouragement. We can, we can love people in so many different ways. Thank you for the way that you love us in the very, very many ways that you've shown it. And God, to anyone who doesn't know that love, anyone who doesn't know the love of Jesus and what he's done for them, who doesn't know what it is to be saved by faith in him, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in their hearts and you would just make yourself so clear. You would, you would make your love and your intention for them something that we just simply we can't ignore. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, this is the part where we talked about gifts and tithes and offerings, and COVID has made that whole thing kind of awkward. Uh, we used to have the handout things, you know, that had handles on both ends, and then we can't all touch the same thing. And then when it was warm out, we could say, you know, go out the side doors, and there's buckets on the side doors. Well, now it's cold, and we can't do that. So we're thinking about it again, so we're going to make some radical change here. We're taking those blue buckets, and people are going to walk through the aisles with them, but you don't have to touch the buckets. Fair? Fair? Wow, no one agrees with this. Well, that's what's going to happen, so there you go. You just got to deal with it. But here's the thing. When we give gifts and tithes and offerings, we're giving back to God with gratitude, knowing God has first given us, just like he did with Jesus. And, and it's an act of worship. When we give back, it isn't, because, it isn't because we want someone to know. It isn't because we're told that we have to. It isn't because we're compelled to. It's because it's an act of worship, and it's giving back to God in faith and gratitude what God has already given to us. And so what I'll say as we stand and continue to sing and worship uh, is thank you for your generosity and for being a part of the ministry and the mission that this place has, changing lives for Jesus in this area. Would you stand and let's continue to sing? You know, here, here's the thing. When we think of the commands of Jesus, don't think of them as the things you have to do. Think of them as the things that we get to do that are invitations to show the world what it is that he's done for us and that he wants to do for other people. Really, when you think about loving other people, loving one another, that should inspire such joy in us because we realize we get to share the love that Jesus has given to us. And if you have not been transformed by that love, we got folks in the back that would love the opportunity to talk to you or to pray with you. Uh, if you don't know that your salvation is secure, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, please stop and talk to them. Don't let another day go by. As a couple of our families will be quick to tell you, you don't have any idea what's going to happen tomorrow.